Welcome to the Awakening Church Podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. What do you do when you don't know what to do? When life's uncertain, when the future, you're, you're not exactly sure what's going to happen Maybe you have a relationship that's falling apart. Maybe your kids are heading down the wrong road. You get a biopsy report. What do you do when you have a major decision to make, when, when you've lost your job, or when you sense that God is calling you into a new direction or to a big step of faith? Like, how do you pray when life's desperate? How do you pray when you're at the end of your rope? This morning, we're closing out our sacred rhythm series that we've been journeying in in the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus. Uh, and we said sacred rhythms every week is this. Sacred rhythms are spiritual practices or disciplines that, that we embrace that actually cultivate the very life of Christ in us. Um, in ancient Judaism, there's three... Uh, central disciplines that they engaged in, the discipline or practice of giving, the discipline or practice of prayer, and then the discipline and practice of fasting. And these are the three practices that Jesus has been talking about, teaching us, and defining how do we actually engage in these in such a way that it's not a religious activity, but it develops relational intimacy. We become more and more like Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at the practice or the rhythm of fasting. Now, here's the problem with fasting. We don't know anything about it. <laughs> so some of you are somewhat familiar with it because it's become kind of hip, kind of popular. All the health benefits that are associated to fasting uh, have become in vogue. And so intermittent fasting, some of you do that, you're into that. Um, and there's tremendous health benefits connected to fasting. But in the church, in the West especially, we have lost this rhythm. It's almost completely died. It's not a part of our practice. And as a result, we miss out on the spiritual power and blessing of this rhythm. And fasting, by the way, it's, it's not... It's not um, it's not starving. We kind of think, oh, I'm just starving myself. No, no, no. Fasting is just abstaining from something, generally food, for a spiritual purpose or reasoning. Or we're just going to stop something, say no to something, so that I can say yes and focus in on God. And Jesus actually invites us, when we don't know what to do, when life is uncertain, to embrace and engage in the sacred rhythm of fasting. If you got your Bibles, would you open them up to Matthew uh, chapter 6? We pick it up in verse 16. Listen in as Jesus teaches us about this rhythm of fasting. He, he says this, when you fast, three words in, let's stop already. And we've hit it every week because Jesus says this repeatedly, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, circle that word when in your notes or in your Bible. And we've said this. These practices are not commands to be obeyed. He doesn't say, you fast, you must fast. 
It says when you fast. They're not commands to be obeyed. What they are is their wisdom to be embraced. There's a way about going about life that, that when you embrace it, it produces uh, such joy and peace in your life. He says when you fast, meaning that there will be times when you need to fast, meaning that there are going to be some moments in your life where the only productive thing you can do is fast. It's funny. The disciples of Jesus, when they were with Jesus, walking with Jesus on this planet, didn't fast at all. It actually really bothered the Pharisees, and and it actually bothered the disciples of John the Baptist so much so that they confronted Jesus on it. If, you got, if you're in your Bible, you just flip over to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, you can see in verse 15, he's getting a uh, question about why don't his disciples fast the way everyone else does, this habit and practice. And Jesus answered this way, how can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. Translation, there are moments and seasons of celebration and feasting, and you should enjoy them and recognize them. And there are moments and seasons in our life when there are moments of mourning and fasting, and those are the proper right response. And so he says, when you fast, he's going to then teach us how not to fast. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. I tell you truly, they have received their reward in full. The hypocrites, over and over, Jesus is talking about this. these hypocrites. They're the Pharisees. They're the ones who look good on the outside, but their hearts are not right. The ones that wanted to put on a performance for everyone else to see how good they are. It's it, it's being more focused on outward rightness than internal heart connection. The Pharisees, these were the religious elite. They, they considered themselves above everyone else. And so they wanted everyone to look up to them, and they certainly looked down on everyone else. They had this sense of uh, air of superiority, of power, of prestige, Jesus says, when you fast, don't fast the way they fast. You see, there's a way to do even the right things in the wrong way that can produce bad results. Your motives matters. Check your motives. The Pharisees, they fasted twice a week. They fasted on Mondays and they fasted on Thursdays. Interesting, the market days in their culture was on Mondays and Thursdays. And so when The greatest amount of people were in the town or in the city buying and selling goods. The Pharisees made sure that they were fasting. And so they they wouldn't clean up. They wouldn't put on oil. They they wouldn't comb their hair, if you will. They They would even put on dust and ashes on their heads and walk around like just like with a dead face, you know, Eeyore ish. So that everyone saw. Everyone could see, wow, look how good and holy they are. Jesus is saying your motives matter. 
Why you do what you do matters. And there's this subtle temptation in these spiritual practices, especially when you're in the community of other believers, is to use them as a badge of honor, to use them as somehow a checklist that makes you better than others, uh, rather than an avenue or a tool to develop relational intimacy with Jesus. He says, don't let it go that way. But here, listen to what he says. Now, notice... It says, but when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It says, when you fast, comb your hair, please brush your teeth for everyone else's sake. There, there are even certain fasts, and we're going to really unpack this in a second, but that are just deeply personal. Don't let other people know. Just between you and God. Secrecy, by the way, is such a good safeguard for hypocrisy. He talks about it with giving. And, and when you're able to give in secret, you, you're not able, you know, it keeps you from puffing up in pride and praying and just allowing your heart, intention, and motives just to be laid bare before God. He says, when you do that, you'll experience the spiritual blessing of God. Okay. So, the question then is, what exactly is fasting? We've been talking about it for the last 10 minutes. I'm not exactly sure what this is. Um, When and why should I fast and how do I... Do it actually. Let's spend the remainder of our time talking about what fasting is, why and when we should do it, and how to actually go about doing it. Okay, what is fasting? Uh, If we look through the Hebrew scriptures, you'll notice the word fast actually means to humble one's soul. And so the the Hebrew understanding of fasting was was a physical action that humbled one's soul before God. You move into the New Testament, the Greek word means to um, one who hasn't eaten, who's empty, or suffering hunger. So fasting is this act of humbling your soul before God by abstaining from something in the Scripture, that abstaining is always referred to uh, food. And so another way to give us another definition for fasting, you may want to write down, fasting is setting something aside to focus intensely on God. Okay, I'm going to set something aside. I'm going to set eating aside. I'm going to set media aside. And some of you have been doing this for Lent even to focus intently on God. Uh, I love how Richard Foster says it because some of us wrestle, well, why, why do we fast? What is this all about? In his book, The Celebration of Discipline, he says this, the central idea in fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. There is nothing wrong with any normal life functions. It is simply that there are times we set them aside in order to concentrate. Let me maybe give you a picture, an illustration that might help you understand this concept of fasting for a little bit and why we would embrace it. Uh, The NBA playoffs began yesterday. Any Warriors fans in the house? So ashamed in this moment. (laughs) 
Come on, Warriors fans, you got to represent. Warriors won last night. There we go. Curry, 38 points. All right, I'm getting sidetracked. And if you've paid attention to any sports at all, what during the playoffs, you watch these elite athletes often post on social media, time to lock in. Meaning they're spending a time of focused, intentional activity that they're saying no to things like social media, saying no to other stuff so that they can perform at their best. Here's what fasting is. Fasting is saying no to certain activities, saying no to certain food, so that you can say yes to intentionally focusing and pursuing God. Now, some of you are going like, Ingram, I can't fast. I get hangry. I mean, I get hangry. Listen to what Richard Foster says again. He says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the thing that controls us. You see, when you fast, you know what bubbles up? You know what rises up? You know what kind of comes to the surface? The thing that controls you. You're like, no, I just get hangry. No, maybe there's an anger issue that you can kind of sedate with food and media that bubbles up. Maybe there's a bitterness issue. Maybe there's a jealousy issue. Maybe there's some fear in you, and it begins to bubble up. But by the way, fasting is so powerful. It brings about breakthroughs spiritually that can not be done otherwise. There's some things and some longings, some dreams that that you actually have to stop and intensely focus your heart and mind and life on who God is and by saying, okay, I'm going to spend a season where I'm saying no to food because my need for God is greater than my need for my food. Jesus would say it this way, my food is to do the will of my Father who sent me. Let's go, okay, I want to get to the place where I recognize my spiritual need is greater than any physical need and bring my physical reality in alignment with my spiritual reality. So what is fasting? The act of humbling our soul before God by abstaining from something. It's setting aside something to focus intensely on God. So how and why should you fast? How and why should we go about this? Let me give you just five areas for you to consider Okay, how do I go about fasting? When do I know I should, you know, intensely focus after God? And here's what's fun about this. Because we don't talk about this. Uh, as I was going through this with teaching team, um, all of them were like, you know, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on fasting ever. And this is, this is going to be a little bit like, how many of you have bought a brand new car or bought a car, got a certain brand car, right? You know, a Honda Pilot or a... Uh, Volkswagen or whatever, and you never noticed that car, but then you bought the car, and then you drive around, and what do you do? You see that car everywhere. (laughs) Friends, I bet you you've never noticed fasting in the Bible. And as we're going to unpack it together, what you're going to see as we are talking about it, you're going to start to go, oh, it's literally all throughout the Bible. We might want to pay attention 
and listen up. Five areas where you might consider the rhythm of fasting. The first area is if you have a major decision to make or you need guidance. Uh, This last fall, we taught through the book of Nehemiah in our Above and Beyond series. Nehemiah gets word from his hometown, Jerusalem. He's living in the the capital city of Persia, Susa. He's cupbearer to the king. He has this position of authority and influence. And he gets word from Jerusalem that the people of Israel, his people, are in distress. The walls are torn down. And he's brokenhearted about it. And he realizes God has placed him in a position to make an impact. And so before he jumps and moves forward, risking his job, risking his position, risking success, even his life, what does he do? He fasts and pray. Nehemiah 1.4 says this, When I heard these things, the, the problem and the struggle of Jerusalem, I sat down and wept. Like it, it emotionally connected with him. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Do you need wisdom? Do you have a big decision in front of you? Like maybe who to marry? Maybe what job to take? Maybe it's about where your kids are going to go to school. Maybe whether to stay in the area or to move. Do you need guidance? I would invite you to consider the rhythm of fasting. I remember when I was in college, uh, just before I met this incredibly beautiful blonde-haired girl named Jenny. And, like, we met over the summer, and (laughs) I was, like, just smitten right away, you know? I don't know if she was. I really, I don't. Um... (laughs) I was doing whatever I could to just hang out and be around her. Now, the problem was I went off to school in Chicago to Moody, and she went back to school to Cal Poly down at Slow. Back, that was back in the day when we didn't cell, nobody had really cell phones except for wealthy people. Email was you had to show up to the computer lab <laughs> to email one another. And so I got her email address. I remember emailing her. While I was in Chicago, and then waiting like a month to get an email back. <laughs> How torturous. But man, it didn't take that little summer, she got my heart in that little summer. And I'm like, going, what the deal? Are you kidding me? And I'd email her right back. I'd be, I'd be checking my email every single day. Get another email like a month later. I'm like, oh, this is so torturous. And so I got frustrated. I'm at school in Chicago with this, you know, incredible people around me all following Jesus. I'm like, there's lots of beautiful girls here who all love Jesus. Why can't I like one of them? And so I'm not saying you need to do this, but I'm just telling you how I did it. And so I said, okay, God, I took a specific day. I said, I'm going to fast. Before we're dating, I fasted and prayed, and I said, God, either you take this girl off my mind or you let me marry her. It worked out okay. (laughs) If you need guidance, if you have a major decision, maybe you should consider this rhythm of fasting. What about facing intense opposition? 
We taught in our Save series the entire book of Esther, and Esther was queen uh, in Persia, and and she was facing intense opposition. She was facing this moment of all of her people being eradicated. And she is put in a position to do something, and yet it would cost her her life if it doesn't go well. And so listen in Esther chapter 4, verse 16, what she says to her uncle Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. This is known as an absolute fast, where you don't fast from water, uh, where you fast from water and food. And I just want to say right here, You should never do it more than three days, and it should always be done in the most dire of situations. We only see this a couple times in the Bible, uh, but it is serious. Um, Fasting from food, you can live for a month without food, by the way. You're not starving, like, even until, like, 30 days after not eating, especially in America. But it is dangerous to fast from water for over three days, okay? But she does this absolute fast. They're in dire situation. And I, my attendants, will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go before the king, um, even though it's against the law, and I love her surrender. And if I perish, I perish. But we're going to seek the heart of God together and ask for his favor. Maybe you're facing intense opposition. Maybe it's at work. And you have a boss or a coworker that is just against you. Maybe there's literally an evil person in your life. It could be even in your family. Are you experiencing injustice? Maybe you're undergoing spiritual opposition. Maybe there's physical opposition. If you're having any of this, I would encourage you, perhaps... Step into the rhythm of fasting and see God begin to work in situations where it feels impossible and beyond you. Five areas that we might consider fasting, big decision, opposition. Uh, Third area is the preparation of ministry. If you're preparing for a ministry of some kind, we know that Jesus actually fasted for 40 days before he ever did any ministry. Uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were hanging out at a church. They were fasting and pray together. We see this in Acts a couple different times where before any new ministry action took place, they would fast and pray. We see in Acts 13.3, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and what fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Has God given you a vision of what could be and should be? Has God placed something that's that's in your heart? Maybe you're stepping into a new role of ministry here at Awakening. Like, man, I just stepped onto the cafe team. Oh, I'm just part of the setup team. Oh, I'm helping with kids. I'd encourage you, maybe you would take 24 hours and fast and pray and ask God to really begin to use you in that way, in that role to bring about supernatural good. If you're stepping into a new role, maybe going on a mission, uh, missions trip. I have a friend that fasted and prayed before the birth of his kids, each one of his kids. Because did you realize that's a new ministry role in your life as well? Maybe you're starting a new job. And you understand that we all are ministers of the gospel. And you are a minister 
at your workplace, and so your work is actually a ministry, and so every new job is a new ministry position because you've been called there to be the light of the world, and so then you're going to go, hey, I'm stepping into this, and as I step into it, I'm going to fast and pray for the favor of God and for my workplace and the people there that they would experience him and come to know him. Five areas, big decision, intense opposition, preparation for ministry. Fourth area is a physical expression of sorrow and mourning. This is actually how we see fasting in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, most often. is this expression of mourning and sorrow. And this is a way that's pretty foreign to us in America. Uh, One way of expression of sorrow and mourning is, is, is your heart heavy or burdened over your own sin? It's an expression of confession and repentance. Back to Nehemiah, they get done rebuilding the walls and they gather everyone together. Now notice what happens. It says, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth, putting dust on their heads. Uh, Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. An expression of mourning over your sin. Oh, gosh. We, we think so little of it and excuse it, and yet it sent Jesus to the cross. My sin sent Jesus to the cross. Like what I did. Like we celebrate Easter and the celebration of that, of our Savior coming for us because we needed to be saved. Is your heart heavy? Like is there habitual sin in your life that that is just a constant flow of your life that that you've allowed in and you're going, I don't want this to be a part of me anymore and I'm grieved and I'm mourning and I long for you to do something in my life and so you fast because it's serious. Would you consider that? And for some, you're like, I'm not there. Would you even consider for God to give you the grace to feel the burden of your sin? When I pray prayers like that, I pray it this way. God, would you be as thorough as you need to be, but as gentle as you can be? Like, I want you to be as thorough. And he doesn't show us all of our junk because we'd just be overwhelmed and a mess. And we'd just be like, I can't even move forward in life. In his grace, he keeps all of our brokenness somewhat shielded from us. But show me those areas so that I can be right with you. Maybe you'd consider fasting as this physical expression of sorrow and mourning when it comes to circumstances. A crying out for God's will and deliverance. Daniel, the prophet, he's in Babylon, exiled, and he gets this vision of of what is to come with the kingdom. And it's a bad, troubling vision, and he's grieved. And it says, at that time, Daniel writes, I mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I, fa- and I fasted for three weeks until three weeks were over. 
And in Daniel's story, we get what we call the Daniel fast. And the Daniel fast we've done as a church, we've done 21 days of a Daniel fast. And we see in his life, he actually had a rhythm of doing this type of fasting. And it's where you, you don't drink in any you know, wine and any meat. And some of you are like, well, that's already I can't do that <laughs> for 21 days. You just eat whole grains and fruit and vegetables, surrendering your life and your heart to God in that moment. Maybe you need to fast because there's sorrow and grief. Maybe it's personally. Maybe it's death in, that's going on. Death of a relationship, loss. You're just hurting for the needs of the world. Like, like when you feel the weight of what's happening in our country and happening all around the world, that you just go like, man, I'm grieved. And I'm just going to allow the physical expression of fasting to be part of the way I respond and express my, my grief to God. And inviting him, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, as we close on the when and why to pray, uh, fast in times of great need. Like, is there a need in your life? It's kind of like the catch-all one here. Do you need something from God? Ezra is leading the people out of bondage, out of exile, back to Jerusalem. They're on this journey. There's a whole caravan of people, and he realizes we need God's protection. And so they literally stop, and he says, There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children and with all our possessions. Some, you're going, I'm going, I'm stepping out and I need God, I need some protection. Okay, would you fast? Maybe it's around your health. Maybe it's with a job. Maybe you need provision. Maybe it's in your marriage. I need God to show up in our marriage. Would you fast? Maybe it's with your kids. Would you fast? Would you take a season of fasting? Uh, this last fall, we had the Comers come, Phil and Diane Comer, and they did a parenting conference. It was awesome, fantastic, and uh, their intentional parenting. And I love this. They had a daughter that was dating a guy that was no good. And uh, as parents, and I now am, you know, have kids that are in the teenage uh, stage, so I understand this a little bit more. Uh, but as parents, we know that if we try to tell our kids not to do something or try to push them away from a guy specifically or a gal, it's only going to make them want them more, right? And so sometimes we can feel like our hands are tied. Well, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Fast. And what they did is they instituted together as a couple Fasting Friday, where they fasted and engaged in the sacred rhythm of fasting. They fasted every single Friday for this daughter of theirs and for this guy to be gone. <laughs> And God answered their prayer in that. <laughs> Got to keep it real. Got to keep it real. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Engage in the rhythm of fasting. Fasting is setting aside something to intensely focus after God. Well, then how do we actually go about doing it? Let me just give you four steps, really, for you to engage in this rhythm of fasting. The first way that we 
fast is we first have to prepare ourselves spiritually. You got to do some spiritual preparation. And here's what this looks like. Examine your motives. Like, why are you fasting? Remember what Jesus said? He was talking all about our motives and why we fast. Examine your motives. And for some, you're going like, well, I have this tension in my heart. Because I know if I fast, I might lose weight. That's okay. That's a secondary issue, and it's okay. And you're like, okay, that's going to be a benefit. Like, people do this as a health you know, thing, just intermittent fasting. But would you go, okay, I know that might be a temptation, but I'm going to make this fast about you, centered on God, and I'm going to begin to align my life with you. How do, how do we prepare spiritually? But first, examine your motive, and then, is there any area in your life that you have unconfessed sin? Scripture tells us that, that like sin blocks our prayers. And before you get into that, you just go, I'm going to get clean with God. I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to examine my heart. If you're going like, I don't know how to do that, listen to last week's sermon. We talked a lot about that. And then finally, ask God to powerfully work during that time. Invite him to speak to you during the time that you fast. So the first thing we're going to do when we fast, we're going to do some preparation work. We're going to prepare our hearts spiritually. Then we're going to set aside a specific time and reason. Set aside a specific amount of time, whether it's 24-hour fast, maybe it's a three-day fast. For some, you're like, hey, I want to do a Jesus fast, 40 days. That's fantastic. Start small. (laughs) Start with 24 hours. For those who do want to do a long fast, you would love to do that. One, I'd encourage you to do research on it. You want to actually incorporate juices and different things into your diet over that time. Also, you need to talk to your physician and make sure your body is healthy to do and undergo something like that. But we're going to then set aside a specific time, how long is it, and reason. And one of the applications, or not one, the application for us as a church In preparing for Easter, I'm going to ask us as an entire community, would you join us and fast and pray for Easter? And so you'll see, we're going to talk about it. We're going to set aside a specific amount of time, 24-hour period. Literally, I'm just asking you to uh, forego two meals and pray and invite God to work powerfully in this city. Pray for awakening in our in our city. Pray for an awakening in all the churches that are preaching the gospel, that we wouldn't just pray for our church, but we pray for the church, and that we see Silicon Valley no longer be a place where people are so hard and against God, but where their hearts are soft, and they're responsive to the word of God, and they're aware of their need, and they say yes to their Savior. Pray that on Easter Sunday, it would be the day where people step into new life. It is their spiritual birthday, and for Ever they'd look back every single Easter. That's the day I met Jesus. Would you join us and pray for that as we, and we're going to get serious about it. We're going to fast together as a church. So we're going to prepare ourselves spiritually. Then you've got to set aside a specific time, reason. And thirdly, be attentive to God. This is not just about going hungry. <laughs> What'd you do? Not eat. That's just called... Not eating. Fasting 
is setting aside eating specifically to focus intensely on God. So would you be attentive to God? Would you pray during the time you normally would eat? Would you allow those pangs of of hunger to remind you of your need for God? To remind you of the brokenness of our world? To remind you to bring before God those that are actually around you when you feel those pangs of hunger? That you would be attentive to God. And we spiritually prepared ourselves in this. We set aside a time and then we're just keeping company with God even throughout the whole day. It doesn't have to be like, you know, you're sitting at your desk and I'm like, I'm fasting and so I'm going to pray and I'm going to sit here. You know, you can sit normally like this and just have a conversation with God and no one really knows. So you can do it at work. You can do it in your car. Beautiful part about the cars with everybody with the, you know, Bluetooth. You no longer look crazy when you talk to God in the car. Right? I mean, I used to look so crazy in the car. I'm not going to lie. Before Bluetooth and before all that stuff, you're just driving and you see someone just talking. Like, who are they? They're talking to, they're insane. Now, you don't look insane. You can pray out loud all the way driving in your commute to work. But would you be attentive to God throughout the day? And then finally, be aware of the enemy's attacks. As you draw near to God, you'll experience opposition. Be aware of the slanderer. You know, that's one of the names for the devil, slanderer. He wants to put you down. Thoughts of guilt and condemnation that come. Be aware of, you know, any distractions or discouragement. Here's what I find when I pray and I don't prepare spiritually for it and go through this process that I, uh, when I've done it in the past. Those days are the busiest days of my life. And I find myself just running through the whole day. And so you be aware of the enemy's attacks, even to the point of noticing, wow, it got ramped up and it's super busy. I can be busy and pray, though, so I'm going to be attentive to him. I'm not going to allow my busyness to push out my attentiveness to God. All right. So then for some, you're thinking about, well, who can actually fast from food? Let me just go through that. And just talk about this because I think it's important because I don't want some of you to step into this where physically you shouldn't. Uh, In your notes, you have just a list of those of us in this room that should not participate in a fast from food uh, this Easter season with us or ever. People who are physically too thin or emaciated, those who are prone to anorexia, bulimia, or other eating disorders, those who suffer weakness or anemia, If you have tumors, bleeding ulcers, cancer, blood diseases, heart disease, if you suffer chronic problems with kidney, liver, lungs, hearts, other important uh, organs, if you take insulin or diabetes, blood pressure problems, uh, hyperglycemia. Now, most people, I know, hang on here. For many of us, (laughs) we're self-diagnosed hyperglycemic. Just a word of caution there. I'm hypoglycemic. Okay, are you really? Or did, okay, anyways, never mind. (laughs) Women who are pregnant and nursing, please, please don't fast from food in that regards. What what can I do? One good way that you can join us is do a media fast. We do a media fast uh, every so often in our home. (laughs) And, um, 
And so part of that media fast helps us out to know, um, it just allows us to be more attentive. So we say no to social media, to TV, and to movies. I remember the first time we really did this as a, um, as a married couple and my wife saying we did a 30-day media fast. And after about a week, she's like, I hear God better. And so you're like, I can't fast from food, but you can fast from the media, and you can take that same 24-hour period and join us with us, okay? So here's what I'm asking us to do. Preparing for Easter, would you fast breakfast and lunch on Thursday, April 18th, spend time praying for awakening Easter services, and enjoy dinner thanking God for how he will work? You always break a fast with celebration, especially if you're praying for God. You go, okay, I'm going to, uh, I've fasted, I've, made, I've mourned, and now I am going to eat and break the fast and celebrate. And we celebrate in advance for what God is going to do. Today's Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, we, they cry, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Now think about this, this word Hosanna. The ho- word Hosanna means this, Lord save, Yahweh save. And God showed up so often in Israel's history that the word Hosanna, instead of looking forward to God saved, became a proclamation. Or instead of looking back and saying he saved us, it became a proclamation looking forward that he's going to save us and he's already saved us. Or we say, Hosanna, you're already going to show up. I don't know how that problem's going to be solved, but you've already showed up and you're going to save us. I have the confidence. As we pray for Easter, we have that same sort of confidence saying, okay, God, we trust you. You're going to show up. Will you use this moment? And we're excited to see how you're going to do it this Easter season. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Jesus invites us into the rhythm of fasting. And for I know many in this room, you've never tried it. And so would you join us this Easter season And begin to learn this rhythm that God uses in our most desperate times. We stand up and we'll close. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and how you meet us, how you love us. Thank you for these rhythms of life that help us connect with you, that form us more into the likeness of your Son. God, I pray for each person in this room that they would draw close to you this week, that they would hear you, their heavenly Father's voice, saying, I love you. I'm for you. I love spending time with you. And God, we as a community would draw near to you, and we would stand in the gap interceding for our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our, our schoolmates, that they might come and experience new life in you. And we thank you in advance for what you are going to do. In Jesus' strong name, amen.